1: With Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: The Volume.
1: All I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting five bucks. An instant dub just for you guys. The MVP odds are heating up. Just you guys know, on DraftKings today, December 18th, Nicole Jokic, plus 210. Luka Doncic, plus 400. Joel Embiid, plus 425. Shea Gilgers-Alexander, plus 900. Giannis, plus 900. Jason Tatum, plus 1800. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code HOOPS. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-788. Nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Twenty-one plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one hundred sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dkng.com/basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. <laughs> All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at the volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope all of you guys are having an incredible week. Well, I woke up this morning to a bit of a bombshell. Mr. Yovan Buha from The Athletic, with Sham Sharania's help, reported that Darvin Hamm is apparently facing some internal issues within the Lakers locker room and that there are some frustrations. And I could think of nobody better than Mr. Yovan to come on the show to break it all down. Yovan, it's good to see you. I know you've had a long night. I know there's been a lot that's going on, but I appreciate you taking the time. To come hang out and break it down for us today. I want to just start really simple. Is there any? Uh, can you just elaborate for us about the specific frustrations that are going on within the Lakers locker room, specifically with Darvin Ham and the job he's been doing coaching the team?
2: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go back to the last night because the post game scene last night was bizarre. Uh, it, it was unlike anything I've seen this season, uh, where the Lakers lose. And they lose to an undermanned Heat team who are not only missing Jimmy Butler, uh, but they're missing Caleb Martin and um, Hayward uh, Highsmith. And so like they're missing two starters and a rotation player. uh, And of course, their best player in Jimmy Butler. And you see kind of with the game in the balance, the Heat execute well, make all the right plays, and the Lakers don't. They kind of crumble in the fourth quarter. After cutting down the lead, and it was just to me kind of th- this interesting uh, the the discrepancy in how the Heat handle not having their best player and several rotation players versus the Lakers who are without D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, and of course Gabe Vincent who remains out indefinitely. Uh, but then post game, no Darvin Ham for a while, and he goes pretty quickly, usually within about ten minutes. Uh, So it's been 10 minutes, it's been 20 minutes, still no Darvin Ham. Eventually, the locker room opens up, which basically never happens before Darvin speaks. It's usually the locker room uh, opens up after the head coach speaks. That's kind of the thing that triggers the locker room opening up. So locker room opens up, we go in, we start talking to AD, uh, and then about almost at the end of AD's availability, uh, we get told Darvin's about to go. So head over to Darvin, speak with him. Uh, but while we're talking AD, LeBron and AD have blockers right next to each other, and LeBron gets dressed and just walks out. And uh, to my knowledge, it was only the second time this season he did not speak with the media. And occasionally, you know, we request LeBron and AD every game. They basically speak every game. And once in a while, they'll get a night off where it's like, you know, maybe it's a you know the the Charlotte game or something where it just doesn't really make sense that we need to talk to them but for most nights, they'll talk with us. LeBron's been great with the media throughout his whole career. Uh, so to me, that was a message of where LeBron is at right now uh, in terms of how he's feeling about the direction of the Lakers and uh, you know where things are. Uh, so LeBron leaves. AD is completely dejected. Uh, he's, he's soft-spoken. Uh, he seems very down. And then we go and speak with Darvin, and it's kind of business per usual. And he's sort of... Uh, you know he he likes to portray an, an optimistic perspective publicly. So you know, he, he was hitting on a lot of the same messaging that he's been hitting on throughout this losing streak. Of uh, you know we're gonna chip away at this rock. Or we're gonna figure it out. Uh, we're gonna look at the film. We're or, or we're gonna get back to it and you know come up with a solution and like kind of the same stuff he's been saying throughout uh, th- this whole you know process. And then Austin Reeves goes and he says similar things to Anthony Davis. So basically like we have enough talent here, even with our injuries to not be losing some of these games that we're losing. And uh, that was one of the things we contrast, you know, highlight in the story was the the contrast between AD and Austin Reeves saying injuries aren't an excuse. The uh, ever evolving lineups and rotations are not an excuse. Like we should be winning a lot of these games that we're losing Whereas Darvin Ham was saying, you know, the we, we can't get we are not gonna you know find a rhythm until we're healthy, and uh, you know he mentioned considering the previous starting lineup of Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves, and, and going back to that and saying he's gonna you know leave no stone unturned, and it was just like this weird contrast of the the head coach kind of almost acting like things were fine kind of in a way and just saying, you know, we just got to get healthy and uh, it's the lineups and this and that. And then I think the the one that definitely rubbed some people the wrong way was basically implying that, you know, Gabe Vincent and D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura being out was as impactful, if not more, than Jimmy Butler being out for the heat because he said it's easier to replace a big dog than it is to replace multiple pieces in the rotation. And I think that's the thing that's kind of gotten lost in all the, the Lakers injury talk is – LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves, and D'Angelo Russell have basically been healthy all season. They've combined to miss a total of eight games. That's two games per player. So if we were discussing this before the season and someone came and told us, hey, those guys are going to miss eight games at the 35 game mark, we would think this team has at least 20 wins right now. So you know, to, to, to me, for them to be under 500 at this point is a... It's a significant underachievement, even with the injuries, the IST, the schedule, whatever excuse you want to throw in there, they are underachieving right now. And I think there, there was clearly a, a dissonance in how it was viewed by the head coach and how it was viewed internally and by the players post-game last night.
1: So when it comes to the actual uh, reporting that you guys did, did you guys hear any specific basketball frustrations, any sort of like tactical stuff where it was like the guys in the locker room are like, we're doing this the wrong way and we should be doing something differently. Like, was there any like of, above and beyond the messaging from Darwin, which I agree with you. Like the, the messaging is part of my language, it's bullshit. Like, there, there, there's no excuse. Like, you can... It, not only was Miami dealing with a tougher set of circumstances last night, and not only is that idea that a superstar is easier to replace than a few role players completely ridiculous, but it just screamed at you off the screen. What you said at the beginning of your rant is something I very much agree with. Like, you looked... It looks like a Miami Heat team that is completely and utterly bought into a brand of basketball on both ends of the floor. And they are... And they are like just competing like crazy and they're willing to run through a wall for their coach. And then there's a lethargic Lakers team on the other end. And so I'm just wondering if the, if you guys heard any like specific frustrations within the locker room with the basketball approach of the team. So the, the biggest thing
2: has been the lineups and the rotations and how often they're fluctuating and guys just feel like they don't have a rhythm and that's, you know, partly on them uh, and Darvin ham actually addressed that. It, you know, he he's, he refrains from calling people out. He likes to keep that stuff internal, but even last night he called out some of the new additions and said like, those guys have to play better. Those guys have to do the things that we brought them in here to do. So that was so, sort of out of character in terms of how he normally handles that stuff w- with criticizing players. He liked, you know he likes to keep all that stuff I- internal. So for him to do that publicly, I thought was kind of telling of, of where this is headed. Uh, but the biggest thing has been the the lineups and the rotations and they've had 10 starting lineups this year. Uh, They've had three in the last three games and it's clear up to this point, they don't know who their best five players are. And I think we have an idea of who their best five players are, but internally you can talk to five different people and get five different answers. Uh, You know, you might get different rankings or or different guys thrown in there, but uh, it, it seems like there's a general frustration with, Let's just stick to a a certain starting lineup, a certain rotation, and sure, if a guy gets injured, we can plug someone else in and and we can rearrange it, but it feels like with them right now, if a guy gets pulled out of the rotation, it's wholesale changes of, okay, well, now it's a brand-new starting lineup. It's going to be a brand-new eight- or nine-man rotation, and night-to-night, there's really no consistency with, I mean, they have their general identity of what they're trying to do. They're they're you know, they want to play with size. They want to play with force. Uh, they're they're defensive minded group. But in terms of the actual rotation, like I-, I thought, Max Christie was playing pretty well, and then he just kind of gets benched for two weeks. And, and Christian Wood, I-, I think, has outplayed Jackson Hayes overall this season. And then he also gets benched for a couple weeks. And it's just it's just kind of been that that you know push and pull with who's in, who's out. And again, a lot of that has been injury related. But I think the the one thing that we reported and I actually talked about it on here when we spoke uh, about a week and a half ago was like the the OKC starting lineup was a head scratcher internally with multiple parties. Wasn't just players, uh, but multiple levels of the organization inside and out uh, were pretty shocked by that decision to start that lineup and to have your third, fourth and fifth highest paid players in D'Lo, Rui and Austin Reeves. All coming off the bench. And one thing that's gone out of the window with, with all this has been continuity. The Lakers championed their continuity all offseason. That was the theme. That was the buzzword. And those three guys who were their third, fourth, and fifth highest scorers in the playoffs, have all had their roles toyed with and, and reduced to some extent until recently, with Austin now back in the starting lineup. But like it just it's it's been grasping at straws, throwing different stuff against the wall. Nothing has really worked. And I think there's just a general frustration of like, you know, does Darvin know how to manage this group right now? And clearly that hasn't been the case for several weeks now.
1: Yeah, I've seen this coming for a little while. I I was wondering if it would ever reach a, you know, because firing your coach in the middle of the season is always a challenge if you don't have a specific plan in mind. And Obviously, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people just scream, like, fire the coach, fire the coach, but then they don't explain why they feel that sort of way. So bear with me for a second. I want to I kind of explain a specific basketball case for why I think Darvin Ham uh, needs to go. And f- to be clear, before I go any further, I don't think firing Darvin Ham would fix all of the Lakers' problems. You don't go... 17 and 18 with LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves healthy with LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing better than they did last year at an all NBA level, unless tons of things are going wrong. And so any one thing isn't going to turn things around. Darvin Ham didn't lose to the Miami heat last night. The Lakers lost to the Miami heat. The Lakers were the ones kicking the ball all over the damn court, not sprinting back in transition, completely incapable of making an open catch and shoot shot. The uh, losing shooters off ball. Like the, the players are the ones who lost. Lost to the Miami Heat last night. So to be clear, firing Darvin is not going to fix all of those issues. That said, I do think there is a very clear basketball case that a coaching change needs to be made. And it's kind of different than some of the other LeBron seasons we've seen. Like we remember the David Blatt year and I don't think David Blatt tactically was a mismanaging the the Cavaliers. It was a voice in the locker room. He came in really arrogant. The veterans kind of pushed away from him. There was a rift there. They didn't listen to him anymore. They needed to make a move. Same sort of thing. Mm with Frank Vogel, like I actually think Frank Vogel is a much better coach than Darvin Ham. And I think he specifically on the defensive end schematically is, is one of the most advanced coaches in the league. And I think he brings a lot of value to the table, but it became clear that there was a separation in terms of the leaders of the team and, and, and just listening to Frank Vogel. And so a chain change needed to be made. The Darvin Ham case, I think extends much further into the basketball realm. And so there are four reasons, in my opinion, why Darvin Ham has to go first, they've been one of the worst energy and effort teams in the league this year. So I think the clear... Example of that is the difference between how good they've been in crunch time versus how good they've been at the start of games. This has been one of the 10 best clutch teams in basketball this year, and they've been really good on both ends of the floor. They've actually been a very good half-court offense and defense throughout the year. As recently as like a couple of days ago, they were top 10 in both half-court offense and half-court defense. They lose games on the margins. But if you look at the first quarter, they're 29th in first-quarter defensive rating. They average trailing by four points at the end of every first quarter, which is a second only to the Portland Trailblazers. So they come out every night and play bad basketball, which tells me they're not bought in to the basketball identity of this team. They're not bought into a brand of basketball that they want to play. They don't believe in what they're doing on both ends of the floor. Reason number two, he, you use the word grasping at straws, and I entirely agree. He doesn't seem to have any idea what scheme he wants to implement with this group. I thought there was an interesting play in the first quarter last night that demonstrated this. It's a dribble handoff with Bam and Tyler Harrow where Cam was guarding Tyler Harrow and Anthony Davis was guarding Bam. And Anthony Davis thought it was a hedge and recover. So he's coming out to kind of show on Tyler and he's looking to recover to Bam. But Cam peels off and switches onto Bam and runs to guard him in the post. And AD looks at him like, what are you doing? And he's pointing at Tyler Harrow. And then Cam goes and rotates. They make the pass to Bam and he makes a wide open jump shot. One of the issues there is Garvin keeps switching up the defensive scheme throughout the season. They won the in-season tournament. Blitzing and rotating, an aggressive athletic approach to defense. And then Darvin just was like, never mind, we're going to try switching for a while. And so they just decided to do something different. And when you constantly are switching up your schematic approach, you end up being bad at everything. Because every schematic approach requires repetition and practice to get the rotations down, to get the communication down, to get the habits down to where you start playing good defense, right? And then on the offensive end, we saw this team make it to the Western Conference Finals last year with a four-out, one-in, spread pick-and-roll, and and heavy post-up attack. And the five-out attack that Darvin Ham implemented this year really didn't make sense for the personnel. If you want to run a five-out attack, you either need to be an outstanding shooting team like the Warriors, which the Lakers are not, or a real downhill athleticism team like the Kings, which the Lakers are not. Since then, he's tried to implement other things, but once again, it's become a situation where the lack of commitment to an offensive identity has made them bad at everything. The third reason I think he needs to go, over-tinkering with the rotation, which you mentioned. This massively disrupts rhythm and confidence and just the overall comfortability of these role players. And I think that's a specific reason why the role players beyond LeBron Anthony, and Anthony Davis have all had down offensive seasons. I think it stems from the constant tinkering with the rotation. And the craziest thing apart uh, about it is this is not a difficult rotation to figure out, in my opinion. There is a clear starting lineup. It's Austin, Torrey, and LeBron, A.D., any one of the point attack guys it can be cam or it can be vando or it can be max and as far as the bench groups it's very clear that d'angelo russell and anthony davis pair really well right they're positive on the season and it's really clear that that austin reeves lebron james christian wood trio pairs really well and so this is not a difficult rotation to figure out but because it's been constantly tinkering with them here's Five athletes and none of them can shoot. And here's five shooters and none of them can run and jump. And it, and it turns into the situation where the redundancies just lead to these the, the uh, these diminishing returns as the lineups have struggled. And so it, it, this has not been a situation where it's been a complicated rotation to figure out. But Darvin Ham has galaxy-brained the whole thing and everyone has suffered as a result. And the last but not least, you guys said in the locker – or in the report, I should say, that there were six different reports – or six different sources. I think it was either five or six. I can't remember, but there was, yes, there's a half dozen sources that are saying in the locker room that they're frustrated. That to me is a clear sign of almost like a schism. In the locker room. And at that point, like, there's no version of that where, like, everyone's just like, never mind, let's buy back in and go do this thing again. And so, uh, to me, when you couple all of those together, you have the same Vogel, David Blatt case of like the guys just aren't listening to him anymore. But then you have this clear basketball case for why Darvin Ham just, quite frankly, is not the guy to maximize this group in terms of basketball on both ends of the floor. So, now that I'm off my soapbox, I want to ask you specifically, the, the Laker front office has been quiet and there hasn't really been much on this front I actually poked around about a week ago and, and just asked if, some people that I know, like, is it even something that's on the table? And I was hearing no at that point. And so my question for you is, do you actually think there's a chance Starvin gets hired fired? Have you actually heard anything from the front office that would lead you to believe that decision is on the table? Uh, yes, I, I think it
2: is on the table and I I think it's not going to happen today. uh, Probably not going to happen tomorrow. But if this skid continues with this homestand that they have coming up, uh, 23 of the first 25 days uh, of January are in L.A. uh, That includes a road game against the Clippers. But if they somehow come out of that skid under 500 and potentially even sooner, I mean, if they play Memphis on Friday, they lose that game, then they play the Clippers on Sunday. They lose that game. Now you're three games under 500. Uh, I think that that's in play at that point. Um, so I I think you know to what you just said. I have been monitoring this during the skid and, and checking in with people, and it had been nope. I mean, the guy made the Western Conference Finals last year. They won the in season tournament a few weeks ago. Like he he's fine, uh, but the seat warming has started and uh if we were comparing this to a car i think it's on level one out of level three uh but that could easily go up to level two or three uh with another loss or two uh just because of like you have it you're in a win now situation with lebron and ad like this isn't oh let's see how this year goes and then we always have next year like it's championship or bust for this group this season and i think they're going to approach the trade deadline with that mentality but they also have to approach. The on-court product and, and the coaching and, and the rotations with that mindset as well. And if Darwin isn't getting through to the guys, um, you know whether that's on him or, or on them or some combination of both. Uh, at some point, that becomes a real issue. And you know, the, again, the Lakers like they've LeBron and AD have missed the combined five games. That has not happened over the last few years. And for them to be this healthy and under five hundred, it, it's just it, it's insane. And I, I still can't really believe it. Again, even with the schedule, even with the injuries, like they've had their top four players basically every night, and in in most cases, that should be enough to at least be above five hundred. So, I, you know, the, I, I think that the seat has started to warm. I wouldn't say it's hot yet. Uh, I would say it's it's warming. But uh, we'll we'll see how the next couple games go and you have know, the Lakers come out because again, I think you hit on something like last night to me was, it was a really bad body language game for them and they eventually turned it on in the second half and, and they've shown in spurts, they can be, they can just kind of flip a switch where uh, all of a sudden they get into the, you know, back into these games despite trailing by 10, 15 points, whatever. Uh, but to me, some of the body language was just really bad. And, uh, you know, by the time we got in the locker room, the locker room had cleared out Uh, aside from the guys who still had to talk to the media. So it was just the vibes last night were as bad as they've been all season. Uh, Understandably so, again, losing to a Miami team that they felt like they should have beat considering who was out Uh, and and Miami being on, I think they're on like a six game road trip right now. Uh, So uh, again, like, you know, I I think it's in play, uh, you know, potentially sooner than later with with Darvin, but I
0: I think it's going to have to take uh,
2: this skid extending a little bit more,
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We
1: are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories From his time in the NBA, CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Promo code hoops, H O O P S. That's Nutrafol Promo code hoops. I think the one thing that could top this, that could stop the skid, is Darvin just picking and sticking with something. I agree. Like, I agree. like, like, like. like uh, you you pointed out last night that was the starting lineup that you specifically had called for for a while, and it's more or less the structure that I was calling for too. Like it really doesn't matter to me who's at the two. Like all three of those guys are flawed. Sorry, like all three of them have certain like Max Christie as much as he's more of a two way version, like he's got so much of that young guy decision making thing going on where he just will just make a catastrophic like pick six turnover or something like that that just kind of kills the momentum of the game. So like all of them kind of come with flaws, but. He did pick a starting lineup that I agree with. And again, as far as the bench rotation, it is challenging when D'Angelo Russell and Rui Hachimura are out because in the current configuration of the team, they are important bench players. But I think if he sticks to a a simple rotation, kind of like we talked about, like those Austin, LeBron, Christian Wood groups really work, I think it's important because Austin in a two-man game with LeBron is just so much more impactful offensively than when he's running it with some of the lesser Lakers players. D'Angelo Russell is the one ball handler, non LeBron, that seems to have really good chemistry with Anthony Davis to get him the ball where he needs to get it. So like, I think there's a way they can configure that a big thing too, is like, they need to pick a defensive identity and stick with it. Like to me, I don't like the switching simply from the standpoint of I want Anthony Davis at the rim. I want Anthony Davis at the rim as much as possible. End of a game like, Oh, it's the Western conference semis and Steph's calling for the ball in game four. And he's running pick and roll. Yes. Which AD, try to get a couple of late game stops. But for the most part, I would look to run that. uh, You can vary between, you know, a high drop, a low drop, a blitzing scheme based on the opponent, but I would have chasing over the top of screens and Anthony Davis staying on the center as much as possible, lean into that and see what happens. I'm just, you know, I'm just not sure if he's going to Uh, like for him to say once again, last night, after he finally lands the plane on the lineup that you and I've been calling for that, he might, Leave no stone unturned. It's like, that's the problem, dude. That problem, dude, is like, you're, like you. Like no matter what lineup you pick, you might have a bad night in there, right? Like you, Just like those starters, the the ridiculous starting lineup, kind of manhandled the Oklahoma City Thunder on that one particular night, right? Like It's not about the one night. You've got to stick with something for a while and actually give these guys a chance to figure it out and get better. I wanted to talk about personnel for a little bit because I personally am starting to kind of change my feeling about the team a little bit. So, to give you specifically uh, uh, what where my brain has been going, I am really worried about the Lakers' offense, and I don't think it's as much about schematics as people think. I do think that's part of it, but I think the reality is is like when LeBron James and Anthony Davis really want to play bully ball, they can be a really good offense, but they don't want to do that a ton for completely uh, normal reasons, right? Like LeBron James in January of a regular season is not going to be looking to post up 15 times a game, right? But I do think in the grand scheme of things, they really do need, in my opinion, another high-level offensive player. And so I've been more willing to kind of explore the idea of an offensive firepower type of trade than I was a couple of weeks ago, simply because when you really look back They were bottom 15 offense in October. They were bottom 10 offense in November. They were bottom 10 offense in December. Last night, they looked utterly inept on the offensive end of the floor. It's clear to me that they might have to consider, you know, especially when they have the ability at that three spot to potentially throw a perimeter defender, they might have to look into more of an offensive-oriented trade. So I was just wondering where your head is at from a personnel standpoint with the types of targets the Lakers should be uh, targeting at the deadline.
2: Well, and I I think this hits on another thing where going back to that OKC lineup, uh, you know, this is where there was a bit of a disconnect internally uh, where Darvin kept referencing the defense and their defense hasn't been as great as it was in the in-season tournament. Although again, part of that is the new switching scheme and and the adjustment with that. Uh, But really it's been the offense all season. Like they've, Consistently been a bottom ten offense, and you're not going to win a championship with a bottom ten offense. That's just not going to happen in 2024. So I think even kind of the the diagnosis of you know clearly something was wrong and, and something needed to be adjusted and, and fixed. And um, I think people were were understanding of hey you know maybe try out a new lineup because this current group uh, clearly isn't working. But it was the the diagnosis of well it's our defense and we, we got to start this new lineup and we have to overhaul our scheme and uh you know kind of go more defensive minded when it's like sure and and look that that group played really good defense at, at for stretches like they you saw the the thinking behind it from a defensive perspective but offensively they were atrocious and it really was like lebron and ad had to be superheroes offensively and basically find ways to score without spacing which they're capable of doing because they are so special, but that's not a sustainable model for you know the, the rest of this regular season and into the playoffs. Like you, you weren't going to win with that lineup. So I think clearly they, they need some more offensive firepower. Um, you know, I, I think I've warmed to the idea of a potential Zach Levine trade because of that, depending on what they would have to give up. I still think a, a Zach Levine, Austin Reeves backcourt, Is pretty tricky defensively to make that work. And you really have to have a special defender, I think in that, you know, third front court spot next to LeBron and AD to help mitigate some of the limitations there, but be it Zach Levine, uh, Dejounte Murray, like those are the two consistent names that I I continue to hear. Obviously they both have clutch connections, uh, I think either one of those guys would help boost the offense. And then with DeJounte, uh, it's l- much less money. He's making less than half of what Zach is making. And he's obviously a much better defender and can help shore up some of the point of attack stuff from the guard position that they haven't had with Gabe Vincent out. So I, I think those two, like either one of those, I- I'm, I've warmed up to and, and you know think that I- I'd be okay with if I'm the Lakers. It's just really a matter of cost. Everyone wants Austin Reeves. Like, that, you know, there was a point where uh, maybe he, he wasn't as hot of a name just because he was struggling earlier in the season, but he's right back to where he was at the end of last season in terms of like that contract, him making basically 12 million a year for the next three years. That is a steal with the production you're getting. He's already shown he will be mature enough to embrace a bench role. So depending on your team configuration, you could start him, you could bring him off the bench. So like, he's the guy that everybody wants that they also want Max Christie. And those are a couple of haggle points for the Lakers right now of like viewing those two guys as part of their core moving forward and potentially having to give up one or both depending on the trade. So uh, right now I think those are going to be the two haggle points for them uh, in terms of just not wanting to give those two guys up, particularly Austin. I think that they're going to try and hold on to him and and do the best that they can to, you know, keep him in any trade. Uh, But, Zach Levine, like, he's not perfect. There are major defensive concerns, shot selection concerns. Uh, although I do think he'd be properly slotted as a third option on, on this team. Uh, there's some health concerns with him, the contract. Like, I get all the reasons not to trade for him. But in a win now context of like, can Zach Levine help spark the Lakers this season and, and for this season? Like, I'm starting to understand the logic a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in on that needing to be one of the archetypes they go after in, in terms of a high level offensive player. The I, I would be really reticent to give Austin up because just in a vacuum, when it comes to like playoff offensive production, there's not that big of a gap between Austin and some of those guys. Uh, one of the things with Austin it, that I think you know, I was actually looking into it this morning. Uh Austin's been over a point per possession in both catch and shoot and pull-up jump shots this year. He's been a very very good pull-up jump shooter, but he's taking a, almost twice as many pull-up jump shots as he is catch and shoot jump shots. He's spending a ton of his time on the ball. And for the record, I like Austin on the ball. He's been right about a point per possession in pick and roll and iso this year including passes. I just would like to see the volume there cut down a little bit more and like to see him a little bit more in some of that second side action. Some of that playing off of attention gathered by others. Uh, DeJounte Murray, I think, is still my favorite target in terms of a guy that brings some of that point of attack defense, the ability to break the defense down off the dribble, which keeps the defense in rotation, where guys like LeBron and Austin and A.D. would just absolutely thrive on some of the advantage creation stuff there that I still really, really like like a Caruso DeRozan package, not only because of Alex Caruso specifically addressing that two-way point of attack defender need, but DeMar DeRozan after having a really rough start to the season has been hooping his ass off as of late and is up well over a point per possession in pick and roll. I saw post-ups, including passes. He could be an example of one of those guys where like when LeBron and AD don't want to just play bully ball every day in possession, Maybe they could try running more of the offense through a high level shot creator like DeMar DeRozan, at least through the context of the regular season. And then if you came to a point where, you know, you needed to bench DeMar and you closed games with Austin, Alex, You know, Torrey and LeBron AD, that would be an option for you there. Or maybe you could do, uh, uh, you know, Austin, Alex, and DeMar if he's committed to the dirty work stuff. But, like, the bottom line is, I do think it's one of those things where uh, targeting a guy that can actually play both ends of the floor, and I mean bring high-level offense to the table, is something that that I almost view as a necessity at this point. Although, one other thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a clear leaning into a specific rotation and leaning back into the offensive identity that they used last year if we saw a significant uptick in offensive rating. But here's the thing. What I would do is I'd settle into that rotation and be like, let's see what happens in January. And if you see a clear sign of an ascending trajectory on the offensive end of the floor – then you can look to find some more defensive minded role players but it's going to be a tough decision and and quite frankly like it kind of feels a little bit like they're you know every time they poke one hole uh, it just opens up another and th- and that's where it starts to get a little concerning to me uh, this is where we'll end for today after all that though are you still and again before we go any further as crazy as this all has been this is not exactly uncommon for a LeBron James team. <laughs> like, it, it's not it's not exactly unprecedented. So and we've seen a, a, I, I vividly remember in 2016, 2015 in December, uh, right before Dar- uh, David Black got fired. It was Kyrie Irving's first game back. I was there. I was in the arena in Phoenix, and LeBron didn't come out until like four minutes before tip and then just BS through the game. And it was a huge. It, like they barely won on it. This was a bad Suns team too. They barely won on some Kyrie Irving dagger. And then David Blatt was fired a few days later. And then they hoisted the trophy. Like they hoisted the trophy. So it can happen. My question for you is: Do you think this Lakers team still has championship potential? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I- I'm gonna mm-hmm. I- I'm gonna stand on business
2: and and say yes. Uh, I. I- I think we're in agreement, though, that some things have to change. And one of those things is establishing a rotation and just sticking with it as best you can. And I, I think, again, you look at certain teams and they have their top eight or nine. And if player seven or player nine is out of the rotation, or maybe both guys, you know, due to injuries, they just plug in player 10 and 11 and figure it out. But it doesn't mean, you know, bench two of the starters and put two bench guys in and now have an entirely new lineup, an entirely new rotation, and then also change the schematics with that. And, uh, you know, I think – I will give Darwin credit. I, I think that there's been a, a lot of negativity. And I thought last night, like, again, uh, the, the starting lineup to me was one of the better starting lineup decisions that he's made in recent weeks. I, I thought it made a lot of sense. As we discussed, like – That is the archetype of what the starting lineup should be given what we've seen up to this point in the season. And and then last night he benched Torian Prince who was having a bad game and he went away from Cam Reddish and and Jared Vanderbilt and he closed with Max Christie and Christian Wood. So like there was a level of adjusting and actually playing the players that were playing well and and having that flexibility in the fourth quarter last night. Uh, So I, I think he does deserve credit in him adjusting a little bit more recently. How much of that is because he's starting to be on the hot seat. And because some of the internal stuff, like I I don't know the answer to that, but I will give him credit for being a little bit more flexible recently with adjusting to, you know, obviously Torian and cam have been two staples for him, kind of regardless of what level of defense they're playing, if they're making shots, their energy level it's kind of just been like i trust these guys i, I have familiarity with these guys i'm going to play them a certain amount of minutes and that has adjusted a little bit recently so i will give him credit on that uh that said i think they have to figure out a lineup a starting lineup and a rotation that makes sense stick with that give it a couple weeks see how it looks and from there I, you know i think they have to make a trade like um i did spectrum a, a couple nights ago, and one of the questions was like patience or panic with the Lakers title hopes. And I said panic in so far as, as currently constructed, I, I don't think they can win a championship with this roster. But when I was factoring in their championship potential throughout the season, it's always been, they're going to make a trade. And I think that trade can propel them to winning a championship. Uh, now we have the uncertainty with Darvin ham and is he going to be there? What would it look like if he's not there? Um, so that's kind of a wrinkle that is going to play out. I think in the next couple of weeks, but As long as they make the right trade, which I think they've shown they're capable of making, obviously going back to last season, uh, I think if they can figure out some semblance of continuity over the next few weeks, make a trade, then have to figure it out again uh, and at least hang in that like six to eight mix, I think they have a shot. Uh, But if they drop the next couple, go under 500, fire Darvin Ham, like all of a sudden you could start to see this season spiral and get. Ugly before it gets better, so um, I, I'm I'm remaining cautiously optimistic that with the right trade and, and the right rotation buttons, they can turn this around. Uh, but I will say my confidence is definitely lower than it was a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in a similar spot. I mean, here's the thing: I, I try not to overthink it in the sense that, like the the Lakers, really have been one of the worst effort and energy teams in the league. That's a real thing. Um, I think that's been a consistent theme with LeBron teams since the 2020 year. Uh, not entirely, you know, the, uh, the impl- implausible when you think about his age, right? But here's the reality. Like LeBron James and Anthony Davis are both playing at an all-NBA level. Now, LeBron was god-awful last night. That that, that would have been the first thing he would have told you if he would have actually done his media availability, right? <laughs> but like LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing at an all-NBA level. Austin Reeves as your third best player is a really good spot to be. It's really just finding dependable two-way guys to slot between them, right? And specifically when it comes to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, like, there really is some truth to the fact that when they get to the postseason, they go up a level. They really do. It's not It's not even really all that uncommon around the league these days from, like, Jimmy and Bam. I know they're, they're having a better regular season this year, although Jimmy's hurt, but, like, they're, got, they're a team that consistently goes up a level when they get to the postseason, right? Like, the Golden State Warriors last year, like, Kind of had a, a a year that was full of, of a lot of issues, and yet they beat one of the best regular season teams in the league without home court advantage in the first round. And so, obviously, NBA history tells us that a high seed typically wins the title. And so, being the championship favorite is definitely not where I'm going with this. That said, if they make the right trade, this has the foundation of a championship team, which is... Two legitimate superstars that compete on both ends of the floor and a really good third player to have in that team. And then again, we got to remember, they do have the assets. They have players that other teams want. Rui Hachimura is a good basketball player. The teams would be happy to get back in a trade, right? Like D'Angelo Russell is a regular season innings eater is a guy that would have some value on his contract, right? They have a first round pick. To give up, they have guys that can fill, you know, point of attack roles off the bench if they have to go and, and make a trade somewhere down the line, right? But at the end of the day, I, I do think that this looks more like last year's team in the sense that I view them as a team that would be in a, you know, a seven-two or a six-three matchup in the first round, and you know, they, you'd be foolish to count them out. And if they win that, suddenly, you know, they're they're two series away from the finals, right? So, like, I I'd be, I think it's foolish to count them out, but they absolutely have to hit on a trade. And either Darvin needs to be fired or Darvin Ham needs to start committing to a basketball identity and stop grasping at straws so much. I, but I, I agree with you in the sense that I think it's too soon to write them off completely. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. Yovan, I sincerely appreciate you on short notice after a crazy night taking the time to come and hang out with us. This was great. As always, uh, do you have any uh, – are you writing anything specific coming out about this story, or is it just that joint story that you and Shams released this morning? Uh, joint story for now. I'm,
2: I'm still working working the phones to see what else I can gather. Um, might have uh, another story coming out tomorrow, so uh, TBD on that. But make sure to check out The Athletic uh, to stay up to date on everything Lakers and Darvin'
1: Ham. All righty. All right, as always, we appreciate you guys, and we will see you tomorrow.
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily,
1: with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply